Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News Preview Show. I'm your host, Lewis McParlin, and in this episode we'll be taking a look back at some of the Coup de France quarter-final matches that were played throughout the week, including the likes of PSG, Lyon and Marseille. We'll also cast our eyes forward to this coming weekend of Ligue 1 and some of the clashes that will shake up things at the lower end of the table. And who better to tell you about the lower end of the table than our resident Anjay fan, Mr Thomas Wisen. So, Thomas, I feel the injuries have, have ramped up. They've been the discussion of the week with a lot of clubs being affected. Uh, some players like Dijon's Alfred Gomez is out for the rest of the season, as is young Sante midfielder Zaira Yusuf. Uh, that's one I'm really sad about, by the way. I actually missed that he got a really bad injury, but just read it before we started, which is quite bad because I thought he'd been one of the better players for Sante this season. But one player that is trying his hardest to get fit in time for the campaign's last few weeks and, of course, this summer's Euros, much to the concern of his club, is Memphis Depay. The Dutchman has been ramping up his recovery since that ACL tear, but Leon are worrying that this could end up extending his time off the pitch rather than shortening it. Which brings me to ask Thomas, who's that one player that you just still can't get over? That his career was affected by injury. That one guy who was just never the same after that ACL tear or, or that broken shoulder. Um, for me, it's going to be the player that uh, made me fall in love with football, especially African football. Um, it was Alan Traore, uh, who was uh, a Burkina Faso um, sort of midfielder attacker, and uh, he played for Lorient, and he was he was had a, he was having a really good season. Um, and he went to the to the Afcon. Uh, it was the 2013 Afcon for Burkina Faso. And uh, first two games, he was glorious. Um, and it, you know, he got injured against. I think it was Zambia in the third game. Um, and Burkina Faso went on to to play Nigeria in the in the final. Uh, did lose, but I think if they had Traore, they could have. Uh, they might have just won it. I mean, they had. Jonathan Petroiper in his prime. They had uh, Charles Gabore, who was still at Marseille. They had Bakri Kone. Uh, and they, of course, they had Aristide Bontz, who's still there somehow. Um, I think 35, 36 years old. But after that injury, Traore came back and just he was just never the same player um, that he used to be. And he bounced around a couple of teams in France, went to Turkey. And it's a shame that his career didn't plan out how I'd, uh, how I'd hoped. But he's in Morocco now. Um, playing for Burkan and uh, I watched him uh, two weeks ago playing the Confederations Cup in Africa and uh, he scored actually, he's doing quite well for them so uh, it's good to see he's got his some of his career back, he's 31 so he's got a couple of good, good, good years back and hopefully uh, Burkina Faso can be back on the AFCON uh, next year and uh, maybe another run. Is he still in the Burkina Faso like setup? Or of course, he's like past it now. It's, it's what's the? I don't know what like a lot of the quality of Burkina players. I know him. What's his face for Leon? Is Burkina? Oh, his brother Bertrand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ah, Traore. Are they yeah, brothers? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. My pub knowledge is coming out here. I did not know that. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, but Burkina Faso have got um, some really interesting, talented players coming through. Um, through from quite a, young, quite a few young ones, and uh, one of them's um, Tapsoba, who's gone to Leverkusen recently. He's really good, so uh, watch out for watch out for them in the future. 
I'm also joined by Mr. Clinton McDubis tonight. And Clinton, the same question goes for you. Whose injury can you just still not get over? Well, uh, obviously, the, the obvious answer for me would automatically be my favourite player of all time, Vicente. But uh, I'd like to go for a different name this time. Jibiru uh, Sisi, actually. Because um, for me, before he got, he broke his leg twice. Before he um, before he, he got the first broken leg, he had just come off a season where, where he scored 30 goals for Auxerre. And before that, he scored 21. And before that, he scored 24. <clears throat> so he was like on fire. He was one of the hottest strikers in Europe. And then he joined Liverpool. And just a few months after joining, he broke his leg. And that kind of affected him for, for a long time. Affected him in his local career. He had some very unusual performances, unsteady performances rather. And then just before the 2006 World Cup, I remember that game. Uh, it was a warm-up game just before the tournament. I just saw his leg snap again. He broke his leg again. And from there, it just, it just never um, was the same for him. He went to Marseille. He did. He had one good season there, one really good season, but it just never was anymore for him. And that was just really the end. I, I Sometimes I think about what he could have been if, you know, he had not broken his legs. He broke both legs, if I remember correctly, the left leg and the right leg. So <laughs> it, was, it was awful. But, I mean... Unfortunately, um, his career didn't quite... He didn't have the career that I thought he was going to have because I remember him in that Oxet team with uh, Mexes and those guys. It was Capo, uh, Oliver Capo, Olivier Capo and, and the other guys. It was just a really, really nice team. And then, unfortunately, um, his career didn't quite pan out the way it was supposed to. So uh, I feel I feel like he didn't fulfill his potential because of the injuries. Uh, yeah, Cissé is my guy. Gabriel Cissé was a class player in his time. I, th- I think, I've not got the stats on this, but I think he was the guy who like scored on pretty much every debut throughout his career in France and then over to England. He even played for like QPR, I'm pretty sure, at one point. Yeah, um, yeah. That, by the way, that QPR team with um, uh, Cissé, uh, oh, oh, what's his name? The boy uh, Moroccan player. He's at Benfica now. Adel Tarapt. Oh, Adel Tarapt. Um, <laughs> oh, some other guy. Jay Button. Jay Button. Diakate at, at defence. I never saw a game where he never got a yellow card. Um, <laughs> that team is like one of my favourite teams of just all time. They were awful but amazing at the same time. I, I can't remember who's manager. It might be like Ian Holloway or something. But that's just one of my favourite teams ever. Um, oh, yeah. What a shame. I, I, was, I was thinking for players for me to mull over for injuries um, there was a guy who used to play for Hamilton and obviously he won't be known the slightest but still one of the best players I've seen in the flesh um, oh, what's his name man Jesus Garcia Tena Spaniard, gorgeous, black hair <laughs> sexy, everything <laughs> centre back, strolled his way through games he, he actually had a brother Paul Garcia who was like a, a Juventus youngster for a while, actually, then just kind of dropped off. I think he plays in Italy, you know, like Serie B or something. But um, Garcia Tena, centre-back, used to f- score free kicks. There's one he scored against Dundee United in a 3-3 draw. Absolutely insane goal. Um, and I think he took penalties as well for us. And then there was a, a game up at Air United, which is like in the backwater of Scotland. And uh, I, I went to it, it was an away day. 
because it was one of my first away days when I was a bit younger. Um, and just in front of us, right in front of uh, us on the pitch, it was one of the first games of the season. It was like a pre-season tournament. Um, and jumps up for a header, falls back and kind of twists his knee as he fell. Uh, and was just out for like 15 months and just never bloody recovered. I think he plays like in like the third tier of Scotland now. But oh, I'll never forget him, honestly. Jesus Garcia Tena, what could have been? Um, other players in the league I was thinking of Arber Zanelli at Ramps still out he was like one of the Tough see when Ramps got promoted he was like the you know in defensive teams you've always got that one guy who just goes and like zips about and does what he wants that was like them that was him for quite a while Marcus Coco yeah. as well at Nantes moved from gang omp got injured in like the first first match or maybe pre-season or something, match, dead yeah. early I think it was oh, like yeah. a, maybe or something like that it was a tough one Honestly, what could it have been? But when he comes back, it's going to be sick. I hope, hopefully, those two players like kind of rekindle their careers a little bit. Uh, okay, let's move on to the first matches of the episode, and this is some of the Coup de France quarterfinals that happened this week. There's actually one going on right now between Epinal and Saint Etienne. I believe Saint Etienne are still winning two one, but we'll we'll chat a wee bit about that when it finishes up. Uh, the first game of the episode is Lyon and their one nil win over Marseille. Hussam Awar got the goal uh, just before the end of the match, I think in about the 78th minute, after Moussa Dembele had had his penalty saved by Johan Pele, the second best Pele in world football. <laughs> Clinton, it wasn't a good match, was it? It was, it was quite a drag <laughs> affair. Yeah, um, the, it was just, in fact, uh, I'm just... <laughs> I'm short of words because uh, it was it. Of course, I didn't expect a, an explosive game because of Marseille aren't. Um, Marseille have had a really busy schedule recently. They've been playing like two games for four weeks now, like two games per week, and all of that with a very thin squad. So I wasn't expecting much from them. And um, Leon have been poor recently. Uh, so it was it was not a game that I was expecting much from, but still, I thought it would be a bit more exciting. Uh, it wasn't. It was just a really drab affair. Uh, the first half especially was not uh, memorable, but the second half was was much better. Uh, Leon pushed for it, and the, the game was played in like the middle of the pitch because Leon were pushing like forward a lot, and uh, Marseille weren't so far back themselves so it was just like a lot of activity in the center like a lot but ultimately uh, leon came through with the victory i i i, I feel bad for marseille because um i thought they were hindered by their lack of wit uh someone like Dovin would have changed that game for them completely they had to play maxime lopez wide and there was Piat wide as well and so someone spent a lot of time wide and it wasn't really they did they weren't moving like wingers, they were moving more like central midfielders, and of course it affected them because that was where Leon were vulnerable. And Leon, well, to their credit, they came through with the win and the goal for the goal by Awa was very nice. Um the assist by Bertrand was gorgeous, slightly gorgeous. So uh, overall a drab affair, but Leon were able to come through and uh it was fair, fair. Mm. And uh, like you mentioned, Hussam Awar got the winner in this one, the ball kind of spilling off into the right wing and then a really good finish past uh, Pele. He's, he's 21 now, and Thomas, how would you gauge his progress over the last like 12 months? You know, for once he was, a, or at one time he was a player that was plagued by inconsistency, still kind of coming into his, 
into his own into his own skin, his own style of playing at 21. But six direct goal contributions in his last 10 games. Do you think he's now becoming a bit more of a pivotal part for the team and potentially the next player to fly the nest, Thomas? Yeah, I think, I mean, it was him and, and Dumbele last season that were the ones that were touted to leave. And obviously one of them went and Awar stayed. Um, I think Ndombele was was more ready for the move uh, in comparison to Awar. Um, but obviously, with the unfortunate injuries of, of Depay and um, Renard Laid, um, it looks like Awar's really stepped up. I was always concerned about his consistency um, in some games. But like you said, you know, he's, he's, he's contributing a lot now and he's, he's making some really nice um, moves and, and nice passes. And, and I think it was, a, was it the goal in the previous game, previous. Um, stayed. Yeah, no, previous yeah. round. Yeah, yeah, previous round. That was a really good goal. Um, so, and he's he's still, you know, he's still very young. Um, it's just another another Leon talent coming through that that it it could be it could be potentially his last season. Um, I'm not sure which club he does go to. Um, I can't think of any suitors at the moment. But I'm sure there'll be clubs looking out for him, and, and I I think it. I'm not sure it'll be a, a huge, a huge fee for a player like him, to be honest, because um, he's still concerns over his consistency. But um, Leon probably might will uh, will be looking to sell. Do you think he goes abroad? Or do you think he stays in France? I mean, I don't know. I don't know if PSG would really be in the market for him. And that's nah, I think, I think only it'll, real club. Yeah, I think it'll be be abroad really. Mm. I don't know where I'd like to see him go. I don't know if he's like quick enough for Bundesliga. You know, that like super fast pace where everything's just right on top of you. Maybe like Italy or something like that might, might, might suit him a little bit better. Um, <clears throat> a player who probably seen... Man City. Probably Man City. That big? Pep does love it. Pep you does think like that's yeah. that big a move? I'm yeah, sure, yeah. I heard Pep is a big fan, so mm. you never know. Really, Thomas, do you think he could go that? I'm I, not don't, I'm sure. well, I don't think he's ready, though. I think he should mm. probably stay one more season at Lyon and just enjoy his football. Then if they come after a year, he could move. But I don't think he should move now, like this, this summer. I don't think he's ready for that. I think if Lyon don't get Champions League football, then yeah, that's going to determine, I think, his decision a little bit more as well. Yeah, I think it will be like Lyon right now aren't a fantastic club to play for, like sitting ninth in the league, like you said, not 100% committed to getting Europa League or for, Champions League. For once, let them surprise us, for once, and keep like the core of their team, for once. Mm. I'm tired not of sure. Leon selling everybody every summer. It's just tiring. <laughs> Tomorrow, I think oh, I'll be off. I can't I can't see him staying. Like, yeah. I think if bids come in, they'll be the same as Tussar, they'll be the same as Indon Bailey, they'll, they'll, they'll just fly the nest. And if our and... Um, Dembele leave like that's going to be a little bit tricky for Leon to kind of coax about but they, they do have players to kind of got, yeah I mean they got Shaki who is <laughs> I mean probably more talented I'd say um, so we'll did see. you see his assist against uh, PSG first first assist yeah yeah I mean <laughs> I don't, was it, was I don't think it was given to him nah it wasn't given to him nah. he didn't get it, it did not get him or was it like a yeah. pre-assist or something like that I'm not sure he played quite well, I feel like. Yeah, he did. He was probably our best player until he went off. It was kind of what we were talking about a while ago, like when we were saying, I can't remember if it was if Clinton you were on that time, but we were talking about um, should Cherky be like a, a committed 
not committed, but like a, a relied on player in the first team. And I was saying, yeah, and I think Pierre Paul was saying no. And it seems as if he is going to be committed. I mean, if you're playing against PSG, I don't care how many how many players are injured or whatnot. If you're getting played against PSG, yeah, that shows a commitment to him. Yeah, true, true. I was surprised, actually. I thought Rudy was going to go with his usual predictable lineups, But when I saw Shaky, I was like, wow, okay, this is, this is great. That means that he relies on him. You know? So that's, that's a good thing for him. I think he's going to play a lot for the rest of the season. So let's see how that goes. Hopefully he's not a player who suffers a bad injury and we're talking about in 12 months' time about a guy who never quite <laughs> made it. Um, so it seems as if uh, Rudy Garcia is kind of going big on the cup competitions. You know, they're not sitting too, too, too sweet, too pretty in the league right now, but they're in the Coupe de la League final. They had a strong team against Marseille here. Clinton, do you think this is a smart decision given the, the league placement and whatnot? Do you think this is just trying to get fans any sort of silverware this season or something to celebrate? Should they not get into the role play, get in the Champions League through the league? Yep, I think so. I think he's prioritising this as a way of um, probably even getting the job in the end, like staying on the job beyond this season because, of course, there's, there have been reports that um, those above are a bit sceptical about him and they're still sceptical. So if he's able to enter two finals, for instance, or win silverware or something and probably qualify for the Europa League from there, um, that would help him a lot because in the league they've been really bad. But um, that's the thing about cup competitions. There's, it's always an opportunity for you to, shall I say, start bad, <laughs> your way through you know difficult um, situations because I think personally league football is the best way to know the you know level of a team but sometimes you can use cup competitions to cover that up a little so I think that's what Rudy's going for and I've been saying it I've been dreading it for months I've been saying that uh, Leon are really going to enter two finals this year and it looks like it's going to happen and if that happens there's no way Rudy loses his job in the summer I think so We'll see how that goes. But uh, I, I understand him prioritizing the cops now and just trying to get something, some feeling, some good feeling. Because there was always that feeling with the previous teams under Genesio that that team was supposed to win something at least to crown that period. It was just like they were playing for nothing. They would qualify for the Champions League. Same thing all over again and all over again. So um, I think silverware would mean a lot and it would really change things a bit. Mm. I'm still sad about the whole Genesio thing. I don't think she should have got sacked. Like I know it's such a, <laughs> I know it's such a dead conversation now. But like, and every now and then, you oh, just he got, didn't help himself. He didn't help himself. He could, he could get his team set up for big games and win them. He was very good at that. But um, you still need to do well in the league and do well enough. Leon had the potential to challenge PSG at least till April most of the time, and by October they were gone. I did a thread on that last year, um, where I was talking about the, the stupid points that they were dropping. Uh, I remember the current game uh, where they, they played 2-2 against nine men. It was it's insane. <laughs> they are supposed to win such games, you know, and games with, they lost to Nice at home. Nice had, I think Nice had lost three straight games or something, and I just been beating 4 nil, something like that. And then at home, they played Nice and they lost. Those kind of um, results didn't help Genesio at all. And I think it was probably the right decision for him to go because if he couldn't get that team, that team as strong as it was, to be consistent, yeah. you know, through a league season, then what, what are you doing in the job? So. I think the real problem is that they didn't replace him. 
properly. If you're going to sack him, you had to go big, you know, with yeah. managers on the continent, then they didn't do that. So they prefer the sentiment. Uh let's okay. Let's move on to uh, Marseille for this match. This was their first loss since October. Clinton, like you said, they've been playing a lot of matches, but they didn't yeah. create loads of quality. And Dimitri Payet went off. They crashed out the cup. Tom, it was a pretty disastrous night for Olympian in general, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, but I don't think they'll care too much because um, the, 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 they're focusing more on the, on the league. Um, than this game, I thought it would be um, an easier result for for, for Leon, um, but it doesn't seem like Marseille are, are caring too much about this. Uh, the more, it's, it's, I think it's it's more focused on getting that second place because that for them um, is is really crucial. The amount of, you know they've not been there for for a good few years now, and um, but I, I liked. Um, uh, for the for the Leon penalty, you could see Carvalho was shouting to to, Pe- to Pele um, which which way to dive um, for it, which he did in the, one of the previous rounds against I think it was Trezilac, um, which I thought was quite funny. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Um, yeah. So it seems like Carvalho is the penalty penalty expert. <laughs> I don't know if he ever took them when he was still playing at centre half. I'm not sure. Can't see that back. Um, so uh, a player that you can draw comparisons to our, I feel, in this match is, is Maxime Lopez. He's only a year old, older, 22 years old. Another player like Awar has been with the same club his whole career, started at the Marseille Youth Academy, went in, has, has been a, a big part of the Marseille team, um, at least appearance-wise, for the last couple of years now. But... Should he be offering a little bit more, do you feel, Thomas? I mean, like I said, 22, he's played over 100 matches for the club. And I feel like I'm, I'm still to see a match that I go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's what Maxime Lopez is supposed to do. Uh, I'm going to let Clinton take this because I don't really have an opinion on Maxime Lopez. <laughs> which I think, I guess that sums it up. I don't really have an opinion on him, which is my opinion. <laughs> You know, there's this meme on Twitter from um, the NBA where the person says, um, he's just deceiving you all, he's just running about, he's not doing anything. Yeah, I think that's basically um, it here because I'm not sure what Maxim Lopez adds to the team. He's just not a player that I, I can quite figure out because he's there, of course. Sometimes he, he carries the ball, he passes, he appears. He runs about a bit, but in the end, we're not so sure what he's doing, what he's adding, what qualities. And I, I don't think he's really impactful inside. And um, in fact, someone like Awa is miles, miles ahead of him, miles. And this guy has been playing for three, four years now for the first team. And I mean, at this point, he's supposed to have developed to a point where he's one of the more, more you know, important players in the team. But he's just not. He's not. He's not creating chances. He's not. Uh, he's not doing anything. He plays plays wide. He plays in center. He plays here. He plays there. And at the end of the day, he's forgettable. He's probably the most forgettable player in that team. So, um, and then he's just right there, just small in the team. Just small. This this little guy that just runs about and touches the ball, and it's just, it's, it's just yeah, it's okay. It's okay. It's sort of a, just a recycling possession a little bit, but he's yeah. not. 
he's not incisive with his passing. He's not, you know, running around winning tackles a lot. He's uh, not creative. Yeah. It's just it, it doesn't offer maybe, goals. Maybe they should do like another Zambo and Geese and convince some Premier League club to sign <laughs> for that. Like yeah, yeah. Just a little compilation would work. I think. <laughs> <laughs> compilation yeah. of him just passing the ball here and there, and then he, he says something about how he sees space in time or something, something <laughs> fake deep, and then you know probably um, Wolves will come and sign him for fifty million or something. You go to those videos, be like. You pause it halfway through and you draw a exactly. little square of space. <laughs> you're like, look at this. He's attacking it. He's attacking the space. And you put the triangles and all of that. And you're like, oh my God. What a player. I don't know how they paid that much for Ongisa. I still don't get it till today. Even Tusa. Tusa, the other day, uh, the, um, in January, this 25 million to Hertha Berlin. It's just so weird. And they were insistent. They kept coming back. It was like, Leon. They feel by rejecting the offer and they kept coming back and increasing the offer. It was so weird. You know how they do it. Oh, well, I, and you went for like 30 million or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the entire Marseille Twitter was celebrating that day and Premier League fans were like, yo, this is a great player. <laughs> Obviously, he's not a bad player, but 30 million for what? It was insane. Hilarious. Film went down as well. They spent like 100 million, 200, 200 million on players went straight back down. And then Angisa did nothing pretty much all season. Um, okay, let's move on to the second of four quarterfinals that happened this week. And this was Dijon and their hosting of Paris Saint-Germain. It, it finished 6-1 in the end to the visitors Paris. But Dijon gave them a good game for a little bit of a while. Um Munir Shaoir once again getting on the score sheet for Dijon, uh, equaling out Wesley Latoa's very early own goal that set PSG on their way. Other goals came from Pablo Sarabia, who got a double, Mbappe, who scored one and missed about seven chances. Uh, Thiago Silva <laughs> got on the score sheet. Senegal Pali uh, was like, here, PSG, have, have another goal. Scored a little own goal as well for them. Um, in the end, it was a Dominating win on paper, great six one. What what more could you ask for? But Clinton, questions must be asked about their their you know their well. Firstly, their defence in some in some way because especially in the first half, Dijon had their chances. They scored through Chowar, but they could have had other goals. You know, they they, they gave them a good game at some points for a team. That yeah, said, I was I was completely confused by Dijon because it was like they left their shooting boots at home in the space of about five minutes. John Dakadis could have scored two goals. Like he, there was the mistake by Thiago Silva that made him break free. And then he just narrowed his angle by moving the ball wide and then missing it. And then there was another one that Mama Baudi created for him, headed it down, I think. And then he had just the goal and the goalkeeper, and then he skied it. And not just him. Um, by the second half, they had moments where they, all they just had to do was shoot, really. Because it was like they were trying to score the perfect goal. The, goal, the ball goes, this person, person passes it back, this person passes it, passes it, passes it, passes it. Like, someone just shoot this ball. So I was just screaming, like, just shoot. Like, what's the problem? But, like, it really showed that um, PSG were a bit vulnerable defensively because if, if Dijon were on their game and if they were actually clinical, if it was a clinical team, they could have scored three or four goals. You know, yesterday. So um, I think that's a cause for worry. But then again, PSG played um, Michel Baka at, at left back. So maybe. 
maybe was, I mean, it's understandable. Munich was also not very good defensively. It was just maybe all over the place, really. And Herrera also wasn't protecting the, the defense very well. He was completely bullied in midfield. So um, there, there's still some things to worry, worry about for them defensively. I think they, they need to fix up pretty soon. Mm. Especially with like Borussia Dortmund right around exactly. the corner. I mean, exactly. I'm, I'm going to leave a lot of the chat to Monday's show because they'll probably talk about the Champions League stuff. But that's a bit... It's a little bit scary if they're conceding against Dijon and conceding against um, uh, someone before. I can't remember who it was. But conceding a, a few goals going into this match, you know, that and Dortmund are one of the best attacking teams in Europe. They'll If they give you an inch, they'll take exactly. a mile, you know. I mean, Lyon could have scored an equaliser the other day from 3-0 down. The mm-hmm. the um, Dembele chance that just slightly missed. When Tokoe Kambi came on and they were running at the PSG defence, they really had no answer. And before that, um, we saw nonce as well, you know, put them under a lot of pressure. So I, I'm still not very convinced about that. And when they go against them, Dortmund, it might be, might be a lot of job. And Dortmund are a very effective team. I think they are the, the team that is overperforming uh, over or performing its um, XG the most in Europe. So they they need to have chances to score. And obviously, they have Haaland and, and then Sancho and those guys. So I think PSG need to be careful because there's a lot wrong at the back for them. And there have been rumours that um, Neymar might not be available for this match. He missed out yeah, in midweek really. and Thomas Tuchel tried to say, tried to calm it down. He was like, oh, he, he can miss that match and still be good for the Dortmund game. But then another interview was done and he was like, yeah... He's not 100% for that game. So that's obviously worrying signs. But Thomas... Is Pavel Sar- games. You think yeah, a little it's bit? Mind games, isn't it? Mind games. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think I said this before, actually. I think I think yeah. mentioned this before about some... I can't remember who it was, but they've, they've done this before. I think it'll, it'll be fine for the game. So it's fake news, basically. Mind games. I can't believe anything. But if Neymar wasn't in the game, sticking to the narrative I've built in my notes, <laughs> um, <laughs> Pablo Sarabia scored it twice, and he has been doing quite well recently, scored a lot since the start of the year. When he joined from Spain, I, I said this, I was like, oh, Sarabia is a really good underrated signing. He had a really good season last year. I can't remember who he's with. Um, one of the Spanish teams that aren't Sevilla. the top three but aren't like your middle yeah it's either Sevilla or Valencia or just one of those teams Sevilla played well with Sevilla came here and it's you know like Thomas is he one of the best players outside of a team's first 11 right now he just comes in does the job does the dirty right. whenever he's there and then goes back and sits on the bench for the good matches for the big matches Um, that's good yeah probably probably, yeah, probably is he's, he's been um, he's been a it's good signing from PSG. It's quite cost-effective. They, they didn't spend that much money on him. Um, it's in, and in context, yeah, it was it was surprised, but it's a, it a good move. Um, and you know, in this game, I mean, most of the time when he plays, he's you know he's he's contributing um, well, especially in, in defence. Um, when you when you do have players like Mbappe and Neymar that don't don't tend to to track back as much. Um, yeah, it's just really. A really good signing, solid sign from PSG, and uh, he, he, he probably will feature more as the as the, as the year goes on. I think as if, if they get through the Champions League stages and uh, and, the, and the cup games, they'll probably feature more. Mm. 
I just remember a few a few weeks ago. I can't remember what game it was, but he just had a bloody disgusting finish when the oh, ball really? like, it, oh, it, that. Oh, oh by yeah. the way, that goal was insane. <laughs> so I was well his weak foot. It was his weak foot. Mm. So unexpected. That was guys, yeah, that the, the, with the red card, the goalkeeper coming out and gets the mm. red card. It's a bloody good player. Uh, and another player that was involved in this match and has been developing quite well this season is the guy I mentioned a little bit earlier, Munir Choir. Have we got? Can we get a pronunciation check on this guy's name? Yeah. I need um. Yeah. Let's let's go let's go with Munir. Let's go with Munir. I feel like Okay, uh, Munier, uh, 21-year-old attacking midfielder, was part of a very good launch team last season, almost got promoted and lost out to uh, Dijon, actually, who ended up uh, joining after the relegation playoff. He's got six goals this season, two Man of the Match awards, and is a very pivotal part of this team under Stefan Jobard. Thomas, do you think a big move is coming for this player? You know, where does where does he rank in the players that have really stepped up from League Two in recent years, like Ajork and, and Prera Laja, for instance? He seems as if he's a player that doesn't really get fussed about playing against the big teams. Scored against PSG here, scored against PSG earlier in the season. He's 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 been an impressive player for a Dijon team that has only very recently came into their own. Yeah, I mean, I think we mentioned him. Um... A few weeks ago, I didn't think he'd step up as well as he has from from that Lawrence team. Um, I think it was a uh, it was a swap deal for uh, Cater, Jules Cater. It was it was at Dijon, um, and they've got the, the better of the two deals. Uh, he's he's been, I mean, he, he's been very very good for them. Um, he's he's based taking all that set pieces at the moment, um, and he's he's a really he's a, he's a kind of like a wiry uh, dribbler. Um, if if I think he, he shouldn't be moving on, he's just stay another season. Um, he's still got some some flaws in his game to iron out. That is if Dijon do stay up. I think if they don't stay up, he'll he'll definitely be off off somewhere. But yeah, I know like another another good player that stepped up from Leeds. Dunn. he's I mean he stepped up and become you know their <laughs> their pivotal player, um, which is really great for his development. He's he's only 20, 21, I think. So um, yeah, twenty one. Yeah, so he's. Um, a really, you know, another, another, and they didn't sign him for a lot of money. Um, that was another interesting thing to see. But uh, you know, a great, a great signing for them, and and uh, it'll be pivotal to their, to them staying up this season. Mm. I think I said a little bit earlier that Dijon were 18th, but I was wrong. They're actually 17th at the moment. But Clinton, how do how do you rate their chances of staying up at the moment? You know, they do have a good attack. We've said this a couple of weeks ago with Mavadidi and. Baldin and Munir uh, and they playing got, very well. And they got Benz, yeah. Yeah, Benz is coming, So how do you rate their chances, to be honest? Their defence, there is a little bit a little bit lacking there. Well, I think they will be safe. Um, one big person that has been missing their defence for a while is um, Nayef Aguerd, who I'm a big fan of, the Moroccan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's been he's been out since October, so uh, he prob he'll probably come back soon. And if he does, then um, of course I'll strengthen their defense. But I think um, what's going to get them through is their attack. I think the attack is really good, very very underrated attack. And uh, on their day, they are very troublesome. So I think they will be fine. I do. I've been rooting for them all season. I've been saying that there's no way they go down. So I don't think they'll go down. I think they'll be fine. I mean, 
Not on Tavares watch. It's not going to happen. <laughs> no way. Tavares could let it happen. And um, Mavididi is in form now. He scored mm-hmm. six goals this year already. So he's, he's, he's on fire. By the way, I, I, was think, I was thinking this about Mavididi. Because um, he's an English player originally. went to UV on loan from Dijon. Probably won't be going back to UV, I don't think. I think he, I think the, the club wants to get him permanently. But... Um, Scoring where recently? England have their issues ahead of the Euros with injury. I'm just saying, man. I'm just saying. No. I like late call up senior team. Scored twice. Yeah. We've had some. We've had some very, very left field shouts, but uh, yeah. I mean, no, it's <laughs> that is not one. Nah, it's not happening. <laughs> no way. Fair the I don't know. I'd love to see it. You would love to see it. I think he'd be well, if, if he com- continues his form, who knows? But then they'll probably discredit him and say, oh, he's playing in France. It's easy. My, my nan could score 10 in France. <laughs> so. Barbers League. Um, <laughs> honestly. We should rename just this podcast the Farmers League. I think we should just embrace it. I think it's a good laugh. Uh, okay, the third uh, quarterfinal of the week was Rennes versus Belfort, uh, who are in the fourth team of France, I believe. Rennes won this one 3-0. It was a pretty straightforward win for Julien Stefan's men. And after slip-ups in recent weeks against Lille, which they lost 1-0 to, and a, a 0-0 draw against Brest, Thomas, was this just a much-needed win? You know, they just had to get the win here to get them into the next round of the cup and get them a little bit back on track following those disappointing results? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't really um, much of a a cup upset. And I think Ren have have got another shot of the cup, um, obviously after last year's year's heroics. And um, I think uh, it was, was you know, I think, Clinton, you, you saw some of the game. Um, I think one of the people you you point out for Belfort was was the keeper. Yeah, uh, his name is uh, Eddie Ellinger something. He he made point blank saves. I mean, um, who knew was one one v one with him twice. He saved both, like just punched them wide. Very very good reflexes. And then um, Bayanyang was also one on one with him, and he also saved it. And then he almost saved the penalty by Nyang as well. Got a hand to it and he almost saved it. So uh, he was he was really good. But unfortunately, um, I think Ryan was just better, mm-hmm. obviously, and they showed their quality. Rafinha had a goal and assist, by the way. So it was great. Good form, yeah, yeah. And Balfour no, just go back to to compete in the in the four which I did look at their group, um, and it is pretty uh, <laughs> pretty insane. The, the two teams at the top are sort of former. Not giants, but recognisable names. Uh, it was Bastia, um, who were there, and Sedan. <laughs> They're both on 46 points. And oh. Sedan, in 18 games, Sedan have conceded one goal. What? Yeah. <laughs> so we need to get some, some, some Sedan um, <laughs> supporter on the podcast to figure out what they're doing. <laughs> one goal? One goal in 18 games have conceded. That's I'm trying insane. to look at Okay, so let's how's see that, who's there. How's that even possible anywhere? That's insane. Wow. Oh my god. Goal. I wonder who scored it. Oh, it's a penalty. Raging. So they haven't even conceded a goal from open play all season. Oh, no, 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 no,
Elon Cabal, is that a name anyone knows? Uh, he so. is uh, 20, 21 years old midfielder, played for Rams, used to play for Bordeaux. I don't know, hats off to that man. Bloody <laughs> scored against insane Sinan defence. So I'll, I'll be keeping up and seeing how they uh, <laughs> how they get on this season. Yeah, hopefully they like kind of push on now. Um, another player who scored in this game was Jordan Siabachu. The I believe he's American or, or American descent or something. Uh, but he got his first goal since December 2018. Clinton, that'll be a good uh, uh, confidence booster for him, isn't it? He's not even that bad a player, but he's just been off it for ages. I know he had a, a knee injury, I believe, as well. But got on score sheet in this one, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Uh, it was a simple. Tapping, but I mean, it must have a lot to him because it's been a long time coming. So uh, I think it was good for him, probably good for his confidence as well. Uh, it should be fine. should be. And just before we move on from this game, I saw a tweet earlier today, or I think it was yesterday actually, and it was talking about the best managers in the world that are under 46 at the moment. 46 seems to be like maybe like 23 in footballers, just just like your age, where you're still a young prospect coming up. Uh, guys yeah. on that list were Julian Nagelsmann, of course, who's the real front runner, Marcelo Gallardo, Andre Villas-Boas, Eddie Howe, Marco Rose. Uh, where do we think Julian Stefan ranks on that list? You know, mm. a, a manager we've talked about a lot recently and has a, a solid Ren team, quite a good squad. But do we think he's a, a, a good manager, a real great like coach who's going to go on and, and win big things at big clubs in the future? What do you think about that, Thomas? Do you think he is one of the, the best managers under 46 right now, or have other circumstances really aided his development? I think it's still... I mean, in comparison with the, the, the few coaches he named, he hasn't actually been coaching as long. Um, as not as as a first team manager at least, um, and obviously he's had successes with the, with the cup, um, but I think he's still it's strange to see it, but he's still kind of unproven at the moment. It does seem like he's a great um, motivator of the the players at the club, um, but it'll be interesting to see if they can keep up this current form. And, and I mean, if he does, you know, if he does get them into into that top four, one of them top four spots. Uh, by the end of the season, and we, you know, need to take a look another, uh, no, take an, another look at this, uh, <laughs> see and see um, how he's how he's done over the past, you know, two two seasons he's been there. And the last game that uh, was one of the quarterfinals in the competition just finished. San Etienne won two one with Kamara and, and Danny Boanga getting the goals. I know I wanted I wanted Epinal to win because I always want you always want the young the 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 lower league teams to kind of develop in the competitions, don't you? But that means there's going to be no uh, team outside of the top tier, I believe, then going into uh, the the semi-finals. And those semi-finals have actually been drawn just before we move on to the league games. So the first semi-final is going to be the big one. It's going to be Lyon at home to Paris (laughs) Saint-Germain. And Perfect. the other semi-final will be San Etienne hosting Rennes. Uh, let's just quickly look at Lyon versus PSG. Thomas, how do you see that one going? That's going to be a massive match, isn't it? Do you see any Rudy Garcia team beating PSG? <laughs> I'm, I'm giving you another question back. And my answer is no, probably not. Um, it depends on the schedule. I'm not sure when the games are. Uh, maybe they have a chance, but oh, I just, I mean, I just don't think... 
no, no, is my answer. <laughs> okay, so, so I, want, I, want Leon to, I want Leon to go for a cup, and it'd be, oh, it'd be great to see him get silverware again, but oh, it's just it's difficult to see it with, with how it's going at the moment. Okay, so this game is going to be in the, the either the second or third of March. So that's so this means it's going to be their next games are going to be Amiens on the fifteenth, Dortmund in midweek, Bordeaux at the weekend, uh, Dijon at the weekend. After that, and then a midweek game against Lyon. So will be a bit of a packed schedule coming into that. We'll be playing about six games in four weeks, in, in like four match days. Which will be quite busy for them, but is is not is not Leon have got like the only record in Ligue 1 to have not beaten a team in the top five this season. Yeah. I might be chatting guff with that, but I think that's true. They've like not beat a team in the top four this in season. The league, or like that. In the league, the top five, they've in not the got any yeah. points. They've not got any points. Not even one point. That's <laughs> shocking. But they've beaten them in the cup though. They beat yeah, Lille. in the cup. They the turn cup. up. <laughs> <laughs> but in the league, nah. But uh. I think it will be a tough game, personally, but uh, PSG probably win that with ease. But it will be nice to see PSG go out, because I don't want them to keep winning everything. So. <laughs> yeah, you want a bit of, you want a bit of variety, don't you? Uh, yeah, exactly. PSG going to the final. They'll be playing either Sani Etienne or Ren Clinton. How do you see that one game, that egg one going? Do you think Ren can get to their second Coup de France final in two years? Yep, I was going to say that when you talked about Stefan, uh, I think he's going to get to another final this year and probably win it. I'm backing around this time, oh. so yeah, I am. So then I'm not getting to any final. <laughs> I don't see it. I think they're a mess and um, they they make everything hard. So I don't. But you never know with these games. You know, it could, could swing either way. Anything can happen. I mean, it's a cup game. Cup games are like that. Go either way or another, but I, I personally bet on run getting to the final and winning it. So we'll see. That'd be massive. To be honest, the biggest um, surprise for me in this cup in this draw is that um, PSG have been given an away draw. Uh, Yeah, to be honest, personally, I think it'll be Ren PSG and then PSG will probably win it. Um, But but that's complicated. They don't like insults like that, losing the final after leading to nil. So if they, mm. if they catch you in the final again, they will beat them blue black. <laughs> and, and they don't have uh, Ben Arthur to drag them through it this time either. Yeah, so I don't. Exactly. But... <laughs> But as Rafinha do. Quest Halsman figure in those kind of big games. Um, okay, let's move on to some of the league and previews for this weekend. And like I said earlier, this is more affecting clubs in the lower half of the table. Firstly, I want to talk about Nîmes, who sit in 18th at the moment, and they're hosting of Onji, who currently sit 14th. Don't worry, Thomas, we'll come on to them in just a second. So, Nîmes, they had one win between the middle of September and the end of January. They've now won three in a row, obviously. Uh, Clinton, what's changed? Do you think it's been anything on the pitch with their personnel or their signings? Or is it more just of a mental switch after getting one win that kind of leads you on to a nice little bit of a run? What, what, what do you think, Clinton? 
I think they did good business in January. Um, Yasin Benro was a very good signing, as well as Nolanro. And um, beyond that also, I think that probably that's lifted the spirit a bit. And obviously, it has elevated the quality on the pitch. Uh, I think they've, they've entered a period of very good momentum. And they just carried on again and again. I think they're going to be... Um, safe by the end of the season, but we'll see about that. But in the meantime, three wins in a row is very, very good. I mean, winning at Nice is is a big deal. And they also beat Monaco in, in this run as well, even though you know Monaco had two red cards that day. But overall, I think it's a combination of new signings, bringing extra quality and also adding some, um, bringing some extra spirit to the side, you know, they they see the signings and they're they're inspired to do better. Reminds me of when um years ago when Arsenal signed Ozil and it just gave the entire squad a lift automatically. I think that that's happening here as well. Benro scored on his debut, a very beautiful free kick. And then from there, you know, they've carried on their form. And I think um that's probably why. New signings and um a lift in the spirit. And especially when you have got such a young team like Neem have, a lot of players under the age of 23, um, you need your older players to come and, and give a bit of leadership, give give a bit of grit. Because yeah. I think outside of like Brianson, there's not loads of leaders, like young leaders in that Neem side. But yeah. Philippe Toto has come back, I think he was injured for a while. Started yeah, well. he's in Roland. form, yeah, Ooh. sure. So do you think that just that kind of presence of the, the older heads, did that really... Is that, is that a much-needed component for a successful team, Clinton? Absolutely, absolutely. Every team needs leaders and um, players with experience. I mean, Nolanro has been through this process of trying to avoid relegation. So, obviously, brings that experience. Yeah. Philippe Poteau is in form and he's just leading, you know, from his own through his own play and all of that. And, of course, Ferrat has been relieved of some um, pressure or some burden regarding the so um all of that really helps you know and especially that leadership really true very 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 important so um i think that that could count for them but thomas you know with with every best success and and uh, a bit of a run there's always something that's just holding them back and a little bit of doubt in the back of their mind and for me you have to look at these three wins so 360 minutes of football i think only 230 minutes were played against uh, against a team with 11 men because Monaco had two men sent off after half an hour. Um, nice had a guy sent off after about no, 45 minutes. Does, yeah. you know, have they just maybe been a bit lucky, do you think? Uh, yeah, but I mean, in the end, they've still won three games in the bounce. So um, it's hard to argue. And they've, they've play, they have played, you know, okay, they've taken that sometimes when a, when a team does go down to 10 men, it can be sometimes harder to break them down, but, um, you know, fair play to them, they have scored. And I liked um, this new sign they made, Musa Kone, he scored in the um, last couple of minutes for them in the previous game. I really like the finish as well. It was just a really, I don't know, not why in particular, but um, the way the way he sort of, his connection he got on the, on the on the ball for the goal was, was very nice. Mm. And they'll be playing... An Angers side that are a little bit off the boil recently. You know, they were once 
in the runnings for for the Champions League at the start of the season. You know, they were they were the they were, you know they were the surprise team off off the trot. You know, out of the traps. What I'm trying to say, but they now sit 14th, which is even lower than last year's 13th place finish. Thomas, what's going wrong? Why are Andre now just so susceptible to defeat? Um, it's been a pretty difficult two weeks. Um, but I think summed up um, when we played Lille on last Friday, we, that was our fifth game in less than two weeks. And for a squad that is one of the oldest in the league, um, that is not a, you know, it's not a big big squad um it's it's pretty tough and we we played Lil with um five at the back and the three center backs that played were our only three center backs that we have basically um yeah it was it was a tough game and i think you just needed um hopefully just needed this week to to recover um and get some 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 you know fatigue out of the legs of the players um get the set up right for this game because it's I mean, it's it's a pretty important one because if if Neem win it, then they drag Andre, you know, um, further down, and and they'll want to be, I think, three points separating them. Um, so yeah, it's it's a it's going to be a an interesting game to watch, and uh, let's see how it goes. And you, you know, you've talked a lot about Andre's defence uh, in this <laughs> podcast a couple times. They've conceded twelve goals in their last four matches, and you know, there's a lot of players who have been there. For quite a while, who's passed it? Who's who's passed it? That's all in task. Who's not cutting it anymore? I mean, the goalkeeper. All my days, the yeah. goal he conceded against um, um, a couple of weeks ago, just at the near post. It's like he forgot you had a near post. You're like, oh, I need to watch that as well. Ah, he scored. He, oh. <laughs> it's just getting a yeah. bit comical. So who's passed it? Who who isn't cutting? Um, the most I part? don't. <laughs> I don't mean too harsh because these players. I've watched for quite a while. Um, I think Battel is the clear one because, I mean, if you look at if you look at the goals we're conceding, if you can look at the underlying numbers, um, we shouldn't um, be conceding as many as many goals as we are. As we, are. Uh, we don't actually concede that many shots. Um, we do concede some good chances, um, but I mean, just looking at the the uh, underlying statistics here, expected uh, goals. Uh, has us down conceding 24 goals we've conceded 32 so that's uh, a little bit concerning <laughs> and Battelle just doesn't he just he just yeah he's he's um he's quite old now the backup Petkovic isn't any better so if I was uh, Olivia Piku I would go out and sign a, a keeper in the in the summer a younger keeper to challenge Battelle and would be pretty easy to take over as a first first um first choice keeper. Um centre back we if we need <laughs> need a centre back. Um we've renewed two contracts of the defenders, Ismail Traore, the captain, um and Pavlovic, who's renewed contract for three years, I think, which is I don't I don't I, I don't get why. Um he's had a horrific season. And I don't see how he can get any better um, at the moment. Uh, he can't really get any worse, so maybe maybe he might be able to. Uh, but three year three years on his contract is yeah. I don't I don't like the look of that to be honest. Um, so yeah, we definitely need a centre back because them guys have been there for well since we got promoted. And uh, I think the midfield's okay. 
there'll be a lot of changes around. My big concern is Santa Maria leaving because, I mean, the replacement for you can't really replace him, but the transition away from away from him leaving is is huge because it could mean you know a relegation battle next season if we do get the signings wrong. Mm. How about next week we do a. Uh... Like, you know how we did for Montpellier a few weeks ago? We'll do, like, a, a transfer challenge. Like, who we can find to replace a centre-back and a DM for Angie. The DM one will be tough. But I feel like you could probably get a, you'd probably find a, a couple of good centre-halves, like in League 2 and whatnot, or, or abroad. So we'll, I'll hope we do that next week, then. Don't don't let me forget that, Thomas. We'll try and <laughs> do a little transfer special. Uh, OK, what do we think this one is going to finish, then? You have to remember that Angie recently have, have suffered a 5-4 loss that... Is not good for your mentality, and they've not been that good recently against the Neem side, who are really on fire. Thomas, how do you see this one finishing? Oh God, um, I would. I'm gonna say because Mulan could just pull something out of the bag, and we could just I don't, right. I'm gonna say um, a really boring nil-nil draw. Yeah, that'll be nice. Tasty, tasty. Uh, Clinton, what do you see it finishing? So on to Nim. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but Nim have been scoring a lot of goals recently. They've scored seven goals in their last three games. Mm. So I think they'll score again, maybe one or two goals. And Anji will get a goal definitely. So I don't see. I don't see Anji getting a goal. I think it's two nil. <laughs> two nil. Nim easy. No Lamu. Uh, Mr. Kone. Uh, yeah, I don't see Anji getting on the score sheet with this one. To be honest, like it's interesting because they've got Andre signed, you know, three players from Nice, or not Nice, Neem in the summer, um, Bobby Sean, uh, Ali yeah. and Salah Tube. So I think probably at least two of them will be starting against their old club. So that'll be interesting to see, actually. <laughs> I always like one of my favorite things about football is the players' interaction, you know, after the game or before the game. I just, they yeah. just, because you know, everybody's. Everybody's completely crazy about football, and and sort of yeah. players are treated like you know like they are on FIFA. Like they're just you know players, but they're actually people yeah. as well. So I always find it so um, so fun and uh, just you know comforting at least that these players are they're just like normal people, just getting along um, and having a laugh as well. So I always like that. Anyway, <laughs> let's carry on. <laughs> no, I, I want I want Guy Tampakis to go and just absolutely crack Sada Tube like five minutes into the match. Wow, okay. Just scrapping. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, we have uh, one more match of this episode, and this is going to be Nantes, who sit in 12th at the moment. They are hosting Mets, who sit in 16th. Now, Thomas and I were talking. Mets aren't a team that get a lot of love from us, or haven't really this season. Um I don't know, we've just not talked about them a lot. They've not came up a lot. I think it's because Mets haven't really been battling 100% for relegation, but they've not really been pulling up trees. They're just kind of sitting just above the relegation spot, so they've not been super interesting. But we're going to talk about them here. Thomas, what have they brought to the league this season? You know, I feel like Neem and Rams were, were very good last year, finishing mid-table. Neem were very offensive, Rams were very defensive, but they made it work for them. How have Mets adapted to league on football and, and brought to the league? Um, I was adapted better than the last time they came back up. Um, and obviously, this they've made some good signings in the winter. Um, and they brought us Habib Diallo, um, who's, who they still do rely on. We still, you know, if they do stay up next season, is you know how do they replace that that goal scoring? 
um, presence in the team. But they've made some good signs in the winter. Uh, Stoppil Sunzu, the AFCON legend, has moved on. I think he's gone to China. Um, but he wasn't really up for the, the league, to be honest. Um, but Dylan Bron, who's coming from, I think, Ghent in Belgium. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's he's been pretty pretty good for them, uh, and they've always had. Um, it's a shame, really, because uh, the Renault Coad, who was always he's been basically a permanent fixture in the midfield for a good few seasons now. Uh, it seems like he's he's sort of fallen out with uh, Onyo um, in the dugout, and, and Pajot coming in as a on loan from Angers, he hasn't really um, taken that very well. So it's, it's a shame for him not to be in that squad. Um, but I mean. What what I've what I've really loved about um, Mets this season is they've given a chance to a uh, Adama Traore, uh, not the one who plays for Wolves. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they've actually got not two Adama one, Not the other one, the other yeah. other one. Yeah, the, the other one, um, the Adama Nos, basically is his, his nickname. Um, mm. But he's finally getting some minutes, and he's he's proven that he's a good player. He was at Monaco, and the and. It's a surprise you'll hear this, but Monaco wasted his, uh, wasted a good few years of his talent. What? Yeah, it's surprising, isn't it? I can't. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he, he, you know, he was, I think it was the under twenty World Cup a good few years ago. He was amazing for Mali, and and um, I was always hoping that he would he would really kick on in in league football. But uh, I think they've got him on a loan with an option to buy, so they'll definitely be taking that option come the end of the season because he's been really good for them. You know, good, good creative player. Um, that's, that's, that's quite quite neat on the ball and, and is is good at um, good at getting crosses in and, and is decent at set pieces as well. So, yeah, it's another a, a good signing from from Mets, and it, it probably should keep them up with alongside alongside Diallo. And you know, like. <clears throat> when they got brought up, everyone just thought, "Oh, it's just Habib Diallo FC." Are are they that, or or is there more there to them than just that Senegalese striker? Um, I think they're always going to be reliant on Diallo. I think um, as long as he's playing, to be honest. But uh, Ibrahim and Nyan, you know, uh, uh, he's I think he's nineteen twenty at the moment, um, and he's he's been in the, the club for quite a while. Came through uh, Generation Foot there. Their sort of sister club in, in Senegal, and, and I think he scored. Um, a cracker, a cracking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, he does struggle sometimes with his, his sometimes, but um, it was a really good good strike from him. And so they've got somebody that I think when Diallo moves on, maybe Nyan can can step into that 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 um, position. Um, but you know, players like even Oprah and Get, who's been around France for quite a while. Um, I think he was at Valencien before this, and uh, I never thought he was too good of a player. But he's actually been pretty good this season. He's um, he's a very direct player, uh, and he, he does cause issues when he when he when he plays for them. Um, so it's not all not all Diallo, but yeah, it is mainly Diallo. <laughs> mm. And th- and they'll be playing a, a Nantes side who, you know, earlier in the season we talked a lot about their defence and how good their defence is. Oh yeah, Nantes man, great at the back. Now that's not really the case, but they are exciting for the neutral. Uh, a 4-3 loss to Lyon, 3-2 loss to, to Rennes, 2-1 loss to PSG where they played really well, and a very recent 3-3 draw with Dijon that was absolutely not deserved. Um, so <laughs> is, is it a case? Oh, it wasn't deserved, honestly. I can't remember who scored their equaliser in the last minute, but it just kind of hit off his head. 
Yeah, he, like he didn't know it was a header. I just kind of hit him. It was like, oh, it went in. Yeah, let's let's go crazy. Um, after Mavadidi scored what they thought was like a winner, two seconds there. Oh, it was awful. It was awful. Um, <clears throat> do you think it's a case of you know them being an exciting team to watch, great attack, bad defence, or is it not? Do you have to look at it and it's like not in what we're trying to say? You you have to look at it in not such a positive light. Like nod were once a team that were fantastic at the back, but that is just simply not the case anymore. Um, Clinton, what, what do you think about this? This kind of fall from their their great heights that they set at the start of the season. I think this generally happens to Ligon teams when they try to be more attacking. Uh, I think that's what's happened to Nantes now. They they transition. They were transitioning to a team that you know could attack more with um, Ludovic Blas and and the rest and Simon and, and Co. And with that came you know there's always a trade off kind of some defensive solidity disappears and that's been happening you know more recently. I mean I remember earlier in the season you couldn't predict more than one one goal goal being scored in a non game. Like ever, and then all of a sudden they are playing three three games, four three. Like that's just that's just weird. But I mean, I guess that's what happens when you know you're trying to attack more and you know score some more goals. And unfortunately, that has affected them defensively. Giroud is still a pretty pretty good defender who has had a very good season. So um, it's not really an indictment on him and the rest of his defense. I think it's just what happens when you're 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 a bit more attacking. Um, they're trying to be more direct, running at teams and all of that. And with that, there's always some some issue that will come up at the back. So um, I think that's just a problem. But um, they really do need to get back in form though. They've not won since six games ago. So so uh they, they they need a win desperately i think um it was important that they got the result in dijon last week because um it was a way of halting the fall because they had lost four straight games in all competitions so they needed to halt that um losing streak and they did that last week so this is probably another opportunity for them to just build on that and go there and get, get um, good results so um, very important game for them, I think, this week. Uh, and I think they'll probably finish the season strong. I do think so. I think they'll finish the season strong. I, I think that the players... Sorry, what were we saying? Go on. I was just saying about... You mentioned Gerotto. It was, it was, he has been one of the, the better players this season. And and the, the goal, the equalising goal, what I loved about it was the ball, like the pass from... From I think it was Bamba. Yeah. It was just a, it was just a nice clip. Do you know them them passes that De Bruyne always does? It's just really flat and it's just yeah. satisfying to watch. It was one it of them. Travel just miles though. Yeah, it just it feels like it just could just take off. Cater Bamba's actually been a really interesting player yeah. this season because I remember when he like popped onto the scene earlier, and I think you and Jake were telling me. He's like this guy who was signed a couple of years ago. I can't remember who he signed for from, from in League Two, but um, signed last year. Didn't play at all last season. Just played reserve football, and then um, Gurkov came in and was like, "Oh, this kid's really bloody good." And it went. I mean, really good. I mean, bloody really good. See any statistics you look at now for like in Europe, best dribblers, best like build up players, best key passes. He's always like in the top third of players. Like very very interesting guy that's just like came out pretty like came out of nowhere didn't get a, didn't get a call in with anyone last season under like Cali Hodgkins or anything like that and it's just turned into one of the best players in Europe this season or like one of one of the kind of 
Okay. Stats, dude, stats-wise, he is incredible. See, in Ligue 1, only players uh, for PSG and Monaco have better stats for like the build-up. Really? Uh, attack. Yeah, I was looking at this earlier. Okay. For build-up stats, only PSG and Monaco players have better stats. And that's in a non-team that, at least up until now, bloody crap at attack. Yeah, really interesting <laughs> player. Uh, a very good dribbler as well. As well. He's, 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 you know, 20, 25, I'm going to say. 25, 26. He's not like young. He's just come from, from kind of nowhere. Right. He's, he's fun to watch. I was looking at his Instagram, actually, recently, and I was just going through all his pages, and I was like, What's, what happened to you, man? He just had a career, did nothing, was playing like amateur football, and then just got signed for Nantes. Uh, and like came out of nowhere it's insane um, him and Moses Simon have just been like fun to watch haven't they Thomas Moses Simon's just like anytime you, you see him play he's just incredible I think it was his goal against PSG a couple of weeks ago the first touch he took like get past someone and just and just strike it past someone oh it was bloody gorgeous like not do have their fun players you know when they do play they do have the guys that can really kind of switch up a game so do you think this season for Nantes has kind of put Christian Gurkhoff back on the map. Thomas, you know, he went and was he was managing in like Saudi Arabia or something like that um, last season, away after the year at Wren. But he's come back and he's like, no, I'm still a, I'm still a, you know, I'm still a top coach in Europe. Do you think it's kind of, or do you think it's kind of putting back on the map a little bit? Um, I don't think so. I think he was always, I think he was always quite a, kind of like a standard um, French manager. He's not pulled up any trees. Um, but you know he's doing he's doing okay with non. I feel like he's kind of the the, the kind of match made in heaven. Both both the manager and the and the team at the moment um, sort of sum each other up quite nicely. Just kind of a little bit boring, but kind of effective sometimes. And they'll be have sometimes crazy games and and but most time boring. They deserve each other. They deserve each other. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, okay. Let's wrap it up. Let's get your score predictions for this game: Nantes versus Mets. Uh, Nantes, who haven't been playing too well recently, and Mets, who are just looking to break away from that that relegation spot just below them. Thomas, I'll start with you. How do you see this game going? Um, I think it it might end up as a. Probably a draw, maybe. I'm going to say, I'm going to say two all draw, quite a fun one. Uh, got some fun players, like you said. And you know, uh, we were talking before the podcast how you liked uh, Abdullah Torre, and you think he, he should uh, he should be moved on the summer. So he's he's always kind of a an interesting player to watch, and not produced a lot of midfielders. And you know, there's, there's um, a great article that's that's um, just been released talking about Nantes uh, midfield uh, wins for you with their their uh, one of the the academy. Um, people that work at the academy, so check that article out. I think it was Adrian that did that one. Yeah, Adrian Drill had that one out. Uh, you can find that on the website at uh, getfootballnewsfrance.com. Uh, really interesting article, actually, talking just about their academy, like Thomas was saying. Uh, Clinton, how do you see this one finishing? Do you think it'll be an exciting draw, like uh, like Thomas said? <laughs> I think it's end 1-1. Not as exciting as he thinks it to be, but <laughs> one one. Uh, I think Diallo probably scores an equalizer in like the 75th minutes or something, and then the game just fizzles up. That's what I see. I think non scoring first half. Um, I believe Diallo scores something around the 75th minute, and then game just fizzles out and one. 
I'm going to go. I, I, I see a draw happening here as well. I'll go one-one. I'm going to go Nian to score first for Mets, and then Imran lose a second half, sixty-fifth minute uh, with the goal from like outside the box or something. You've got to be specific. Because every now and then it's going to come up and then you can just go mental and just be like, yeah, I called, I called it. Uh, yeah, I see Imran Lewis again on the score sheet for this one. Cater Bamba assists with his left foot outside the outside the foot. Uh, takes it in his chest. Now, I'm not going to be super specific, but uh, yeah, I, th- I think that'll happen. I'm going to go 1-1 one, one draw. Uh, Right, and that wraps us up. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, if you want more information on all things French football, you can find us on Twitter at GFFN. And like I said earlier, you can go to the website at getfootballnewsfrance.com. Catch up on that article by Adrian Driel all about Nantes Youth Academy. It's, it's, it's one of the better ones that have come out this week. I've been Lewis McParlin. I've been joined by Clinton McDubis and, of course, Mr. Thomas Wiseman. Uh, I hope you have a very nice weekend and enjoy your football. And I'll see you next week. Thank you very much for listening.